0: God, glory in this place this morning. Amen. I believe that the presence of the Lord is in this room to minister to somebody today. Amen. Does anybody feel that? Amen. The Bible says when we agree is touching anything, it shall be done. How many of you believe somebody is going to be ministered to before we leave? Amen. If you came here hurting, there's a word for you today. If you came here suffering, there's a word for you today. Amen. I want us to go to the Word of God. Hosea chapter number 2 is where I'm going to read in verse number 14. And uh, it's a passage I've preached from a few times, and the Lord led me back here. And I believe that God wants to speak to our hearts today. Amen. Thankful for the opportunity to stand before this great church, humbled by it, and uh, thankful to be a part of the best church that I've ever been a part of. Amen. 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 Hosea chapter 2, verse number 14. This is God speaking through the prophet Hosea to Israel. And he says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And I will give her her vineyards, and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Somebody say, the valley of Achor, a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, God switches here. He's talking about them and her. But listen to what he says. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And no longer will you call me my veil, which means master. He said, in that day, you'll call me husband and not master. Today, I want to preach to you from a subject i preached from before, but I believe the Holy Ghost is in it today. The opportunity in adversity. Can we just lift our hands and pray? God, I pray your word would speak. God, your word would anoint that you would fill this house, that you would fill this place with your glory. And that somebody would leave here changed, God, that somebody would leave here blessed, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name that is above all names. Can we give up one more hand clap of praise and thanksgiving as we're seated? If there is one thing clear in scripture, it is that life changing opportunities happen in low places. Anybody ever been in a low place? It's said that only a few things in life are certain. You've heard this. Death and what? It's tax season, isn't it? Death and taxes. And I'd like today to add adversity to that list. Of the many promises in Scripture that we love to claim, perhaps the least popular is when Jesus said, In this world you shall have tribulation. But he didn't stop there. He said, But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. It isn't the overcoming that bothers us so much. It is the tribulation part that will trip us up because adversity and humanity are synonyms. Job said that our days are few, but are marked with endless difficulties, filled with many troubles. Does anybody ever feel that way? Perhaps true words have never been spoken. I'm reminded of a story I've shared before out of one of Max Lucado's books about the little bird Chippy. Well, Chippy's got a message. Chippy was happily singing in his cage one day when his owner took a phone call as she was cleaning out the cage with a vacuum. She wasn't paying attention to what she did. She turned. She sucked Chippy up in her vacuum cleaner. She talked for a few minutes before she realized what had happened. And so She scrambled. And opened up the bag on the vacuum and there was Chippy. He was sucked in and covered in dirt. And so she did what only uh, any good pet owner would do. And and she took him out and ran over to the sink and and got the sprayer and sprayed Chippy off. And and iced him down and, and got all the dirt off of him. And then she thought, well, he looks wet and cold. So she took out the blow dryer. She blows... Chippy, till he's dry. A few days later, she was talking to the same friend on the phone. She said, how's little Chippy doing? She said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. (laughs) And you know what? Neither do we, because when life has sucked us in and, and washed us over and blown us dry, we come to the point where we're Easily able to lose our song, to lose our worship, to lose our hope, to lose our faith. Does anybody hear me today in the house? Somebody say adversity. It happens to every one of us. Everyone will experience low places when your family is faltering, when your finances are hurting, when relationships are strained, when it feels like your dreams are dead or when we are facing obstacles and enemies that seem too hard to handle. Everybody has it. They are the moments when failure seems like a sure thing. We often feel abandoned, alone and overwhelmed by what we are facing. And here's what we do. I know you know what we do. We ask what question? Why? Why? If you love me, God, why am I dealing with this? If you love me, God, why am I suffering this? God, if you're a gracious and good and merciful God, why am I going through this? Let me say this today, that to ask why is to explore what has been called the Achilles' heel of Christianity. You remember Achilles from uh, mythology. He was the character whose mother tried to make him impervious from attack by dipping him in the river Styx. Only problem was she missed a spot on Achilles' heel. And it was later that very spot where an arrow found him and brought him to his demise. Why? Why the suffering? Why the pain? Why the low places? Why adversity? According to a survey by author Lee Strobel, it is the question most people would like to ask God if given a face-to-face opportunity. You see, most of us, Would like to avoid the low places altogether. But I've come today to readjust somebody's perspective. To restore somebody's faith. To minister to somebody in the middle of their suffering. God is not against you. God has not abandoned you. God did not leave you to this place to leave you hanging. To let you uh, alone. There is a purpose in your adversity. The Bible alludes to these moments in types and shadows. As valleys. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The shadow is a low place. A valley is a low place. And I'm telling you that in the scripture, valleys are places of adversity. Again, David said, I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help. David, it was a psalm of ascent of people who were coming to the temple. And they would sing this song, I will look to the hills from whence cometh. It was people in a spiritually low place in need of redemption, in need of restoration. And as they ascended to Israel, into Jerusalem, and they looked up the hill, they would see the temple in a high place. And they said, I've got to get from the low place to the high place. I look to the hills. Surely there's help there, but not here in the low place. And as much as we despise the low points of light, the truth is that God puts us where we need to be when we need to be there. He places us in the right places at the right times so that we will have the right outcome. I just want to stop for a moment and say this, that God is not as interested in where you are as he is is interested in who you are. God is less concerned with your comfort than he is with your character. And so the Bible says in our text, God speaking of Israel who had lost their way, who had let God far away and they turned their heart to idols. God is speaking about how he will redeem and restore Israel. And he tells Hosea, he says, I will allure her into the wilderness. God said, I know just how to get them to where they need to be. I'm gonna take them into the wilderness. I will allure her into the wilderness. Somebody hear me today that God leads us into adversity. A quick survey of scripture will show that more often than not, when God calls you to something better, you will usually make a few stops in difficult places along the way first. God leads us into the valley. In our text, God spoke to Hosea about how he's going to do it. He says, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, not to destroy them, not to leave them without hope. And without faith. But Israel had lost some things along the way. Israel had lost their faith along the way. They lost their hope. They lost their walk with God. And they were living this purposeless existence. Just suffering through. And God says, I'm going to pull them into a wilderness. In order to restore them. He first Had to bring them to a place of reliance. Israel knew all about the wilderness. They knew all about it. It was a part of the fabric of their culture. Because the wilderness was where they had first learned about the provision of God during their exodus from Egypt. It was in the wilderness that they learned about manna from heaven. Water from a rock. A storm cloud of quail. Clothes that wouldn't wear out. It was in the wilderness that it was clear that the only way that I'm going to get to where God wants me to go is by the grace and the mercy of the ever living God. That's the only way God often leads us into adverse places because it is in those moments that we learn that his grace is sufficient. It is in the low place that we learn that He's able to supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory. It's in the low places that we learn about the goodness of God. It's not on the mountaintop. It's when we have nowhere to turn and no water to drink and no food to fill us that God shows up in the low place and says, I'm with you. I am for you. I'm sustaining you. I'm bringing you to where I want you to be. Somebody say we learn about God in the low place. Israel knew him as the one who could release them from Egypt. But it was in the wilderness that they learned that he would walk with them along the way. Every day when they woke up, there was a pillar of fire and a pillar of the cloud that was with them. God was with them in the middle of their suffering. God was with them in the middle of their journey. And it's in the wilderness, in the low places, that we learn who God is. And that His grace... Is sufficient It's in the tough times That we learn to stand still And see the salvation of God It's in the moments Where we have nowhere left to turn That God shows up And we see that God is able to do What you and I cannot do It's where we learn to trust Him And it's where we learn to rely on Him He said I will bring them into the wilderness And I will speak tenderly to them Let me tell you this, adversity is not a place of punishment. It's a place of preparation. It's not a place of punishment. How many of us have, in low moments, asked God, Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this? God, what did I do to deserve this? And we come to the conclusion that God must be against us. But hear me today that adversity is not a place of punishment. It is a place of preparation. God was not against them. He was for them. Because listen to what he says. He says, I will give her vineyards from thence. From where? Vineyards from the wilderness. The wilderness was a gateway to the promised land. They would never have been able to receive vineyards that they did not plant if they didn't first walk through the wilderness. What they received later was connected to what they were going through in the dry place now. What they were going to receive later was dependent on what God was doing now. And he said... I will give them vineyards from thence because God can use low places. There is an opportunity in the valley. I want to go back and talk just for a second about the Old Testament, the anointing oil. The Bible said it is the anointing that breaks the yoke, that destroys the yoke. Do you know where the anointing oil comes from? They take olive oils. Uh, 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 Are olives and and they bring them into an olive press and it's in the pressing and in the crushing that the oil of anointing is produced. And so if there is no crushing and if there is no pressing, then there is no anointing. And God understood that the kind of people that can possess a promise are not people who have avoided suffering. They are not people who have walked an easy route. God says, I'll put them in the pressing because there is an anointing in the crushing. Hear me, somebody. God brings the best things out of the worst moments. The vineyards came later because the wilderness came first. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you're praying to God to stop the pain and stop the suffering, you might be praying against the very thing that God has ordained for you. The God, the thing that God wants for you. The thing that God is using to prepare you. He said, I'll bring vineyards from this, from here, from this. I'll bring fruitfulness from this stuff, from this place. God says that their vineyards later are connected to their suffering and their wilderness now. And God is saying, because they can walk with me in the dry place, I will give them vineyards in a land of plenty. I'll give them what they need and I will supply them with everything that I've ordained for them. But you got to walk with God in the low place first. He said, I will make the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Somebody say, the valley of Achor. The Hebrew word Achor simply means trouble. He says, I'll make the valley of trouble into a door of hope. The valley of Achor was where Israel met after the second battle in taking the promised land. They won the battle of Jericho, marched, the walls fell down. The Bible says they went into Ai and there at a little town of a couple thousand people was a stunning defeat of the children of God. And Joshua goes to God. He gathers all of Israel in the valley of Acor, And they say, what is going on here? God, why have we suffered this loss and this defeat? And God reveals to Joshua that there was sin in the camp at Achor. Achan one of the men had stolen the possession of God. And it was in the low place that God brought them into the valley of Achor to reveal to them that there was sin in the camp. They dealt with the sin problem in the valley of Achor. They dealt with the stuff that was wrong in the valley of Achor. It was a valley of trouble. It was where God pointed the finger And identified the underlying problem for why they could not live in victory. It couldn't happen when they were celebrating around Jericho's walls. But God brings them into the valley, into the low place, so that he can begin to talk to them about some stuff that needs to get right. Some stuff that needs to be made right. That even though you don't realize it, under the surface, there's some stuff going on in the camp that has to be taken care of. Somebody say there was a door of hope. And so the Bible says they took Achan and they dealt with the problem of sin in the valley of Achor. They were able to deal with all the stuff that's under the surface. And let me tell you something. Sometimes God will bring you into a low place so that He can help you to discover what has been holding you back. He'll begin to help you discover the sin that you didn't think was sin and the stuff that you didn't think really mattered to God. And God reveals and opens Joshua's eyes at the valley of Achor. It said that Michelangelo spent four years of his life devoted to an 18-foot block of marble. Four years devoted to an 18-foot block of marble. Coincidentally, it was a piece of marble that had been used and abandoned by another sculptor approximately 50 years before. But from that block of marble, Michelangelo was able to sculpt perhaps the finest piece of sculpture that human hands has ever carved. And out of the marble came the statue of David, Michelangelo's David. They asked him how he did it. And he said this, that when I looked at the marble, I could see David in the marble. I could see David in the marble. I just had to remove some stone so that I could bring him out. Does anybody hear me in the Holy Ghost? That when God looks at us, He sees not our problems, but he sees our potential. He doesn't look at us with eyes that want to judge us. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And when God looks into the marble and into the stone, it might have been abandoned by others. It might have been cast aside by others. But he can see David in the stone And so he'll bring us into a wilderness place So that he can begin to chisel Some things out of our life Some chisel some things out of our spirit To chisel some things out of our mind So that he can bring us out Better than we went in God deals with sin in the valley God knows just What needs to be removed in your heart and in mine? And if Israel had never walked into the Valley of Acor, they would have never asked the question, what's wrong? Why are we losing? But God brought them to the wilderness so that He could deal with their sin there. And you wonder why problems happen. You walked away from God. You put Him on the back burner of your life. Oh, is anybody hearing me today? You, you just said, yeah, that's my religion, but it's not really my passion. I, I don't really I, I don't really think about God too much, but God's a good God, and, and, and He'll bless me. Do you understand that God brought them from a place of victory to a place of defeat so that He could reveal to them that there's some stuff that needs to be dealt with in the valley? There's some stuff that has to be shed before you can move on and receive what God has for you? As ugly as that scene was, what followed was nothing short of miraculous. Because, listen, after they dealt with sin in the valley, there was never again in the life of Joshua a defeat of the armies of Israel. It was a valley of trouble, but it led to a door of hope. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray that you can hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to your situation today. That you have wrestled and grappled with the why. Why me? Why here? But I hear the Spirit saying today, I brought you into the valley. Because the door to your tomorrow is in the valley. There is a door of hope in the valley of your trouble. And out of your trouble, God is working to bring some triumph. Out of your adversity, God is opening a door. Of opportunity It is in the valley that God Will show you that he's able It's in the valley that God will take out the hammer And begin to chisel And begin to deal with the junk That you've never dealt with It's in the valley of trouble But when God leads you there It becomes a door Of hope Why? Because he sees the masterpiece In the marble He sees the masterpiece in your mess I feel the Holy Ghost here today speaking to somebody. He sees the masterpiece in the midst of your troubles. Tucked in the passage about David's mighty men is the story of Benaiah. And I'm coming soon to a close, Brother Toby, if you want to get ready. Among the story of David's mighty men is the story of Benaiah. 1 Chronicles 11.22 says this. It says, Benaiah... Son of Jehoiada The son of a valiant man of Cabsville Who had done many acts He slew two lion-like men of Moab And also He went down and slew a lion In a pit On a snowy day You know some people have a knack For getting in trouble Sister Janice I'm not looking at you (laughs) I love this lady She will crack you up Benaiah had a knack for getting himself in trouble. Clearly, Benaiah was one of these. He managed to get in two fights in a single verse of Scripture. I think he might be one of my children. In fact, some of us have family like that. If they got one verse in the Bible, they'd have two fights in it. That was Benaiah. As if facing two lion-like men wasn't enough, Benaiah one day found himself faced off with an actual lion. And one lion is tougher than two lion-like men. If you ever end up on the business end of a lion, you might ask yourself, how did I get here? What decisions in my life brought me to this place? Nevertheless, Benaiah found himself facing the worst possible enemy in the worst possible place in the worst possible conditions. Benaiah went down, the Bible says, and he found a lion in a pit on a snowy day. It doesn't get much worse than that. Trouble has a way of revealing our character Or our cowardice Because heroes are missed or made In moments like this one Most would have run away The adversary is too great The conditions are too bad The location looks like a death trap But Benaiah decided That live or die He would stand up To the trouble That was troubling him and the Bible says Benaiah didn't walk back down or walk away. But the Bible says he went down into the pit with a lion on a snowy day. He walked in to trouble. But he came out a mighty man in God's kingdom. He walked in not sure of his tomorrow. Not sure he would make it through this, Caleb. Not sure that he would come out the other side. Benaiah walked in. In a whole heap of trouble. But when Benaiah walked out, he was called a mighty man of David. Here is the thing. This single moment was a defining moment for Benaiah. It was adversity disguised in the robes of opportunity. He went on, the Bible says, to have a great military career. He climbed the chain of command to become commander of Israel's army. But hear me today, that what happened then all started with what many would consider being in the wrong place at the wrong time, facing the wrong enemy. It was adversity, but it was also opportunity. And his success in life, his story can be traced back to a life or death encounter. With a lion in a low place. And his destiny was determined by what happened and what he did there. Hear me today as I wrap up this service. I want you to stand with me. You've come here today and some of you are facing the worst possible enemy. In the worst possible place. Under the worst possible conditions. And I'm preaching that God put you there for a reason. He is not against you. He has not abandoned you. But He brought you here for a reason. The question is, what will you do in the wilderness? The Bible says Israel murmured and complained in the wilderness. And you know, a whole generation died in the wilderness that God intended to you. A gateway to their promise. A whole generation died because they couldn't handle the adversity of the low place. What will you do in the wilderness? God says, I will allure Israel there. And He says, when I allure her there, I'll bring her vineyards from thence. And listen to what He says He says, She shall sing there as in the days of her youth. The Lord is my strength. I Exodus 15.1 is the song that Hosea is referring to. And when they came out of the Red Sea, the Bible says on the other side of the Red Sea, Miriam stood up and began to lead them in song. The Lord is my strength and my song. And He has become my salvation. He has cast down the horse and the rider. He's come through for me. What did Israel do? In the wilderness, he said, they'll sing again like they did before. Because this is how you respond to the wilderness. You open up your mouth and you worship God for who He is and not where you are. You worship God anyways. You trust God in the process. You say, the Lord is my strength and my song. And He is still My salvation. He's still the God who delivers. And if he has me here, it's because he's bringing me into a better place. And listen, listen. The last thing. last thing he says. He says, she will give herself to me there. As she did long ago when she was young. When I freed her from captivity in Egypt. And when that day comes, says the Lord. You will call me my husband instead of my master here's what happens when you realize that God led you to your wilderness is you can give your heart to God. You can trust and know that His promises are sure, that His Word will stand. And when you give yourself to Him, He says you'll see and worship when you get there and you will know me in a way that you have never known me. Hear me today in the Holy Ghost, in the final moments of this service, that what happens right now is the foundation for the intimacy with God that you've been looking for. It doesn't happen when everything's good. It happens when you have no answers. It happens when you don't know where to turn and you get down on your knees and say, God, I'm going to trust you in Anyways, I'm going to believe anyways. I'm going to worship anyways. I wonder, as every head is bowed in this place, if you've been walking through a valley and the Lord is talking to you, I want you just to raise your hand. If you've been walking through some things that you don't understand, I just want you to raise your hand. Right now, God is ministering to somebody in this place. You want to know God? You want to know Him as your husband and not your master? I want to invite you to this altar to come and just say, Lord, I don't understand your ways. Lord, I don't understand your process, but I'm going to trust you anyways. I'm going to give you my heart knowing that you've got a promise and a plan. Knowing... That you're bringing me to something better. That there is a door in the valley of my trouble. Some of you came here because your life is a mess. And you've mangled it and messed it up. And I'm just here telling you, that's where you can find God. That's where you can find the door to your tomorrow. When you'll walk up to God and say, God, remove everything that you don't want. Take all of me. Would you come, church? and fill these altars. Would somebody come and say, Lord, I'm giving my heart back to you. God, I'm going to let you chisel away the stuff that doesn't belong. God, I'm going to let you work on the inside of me. God, I'm going to give my heart and my life to you all over again.